0: Minus 3 is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook The greatest sports betting app of all time Download it Must be 21 or older I wanted to tell you that I expressed some doubt That the Eagles would get to the Super Bowl With you as their quarterback You're not the only one Well, I just wanted to say man to man I'm sorry
1: Cool <laughs> Minus 3 With Dave Damaschek
0: yeah, that was Jalen Hurts, and if you haven't heard, he's now very rich. Hi and hello, and welcome to Minus. Three sports fans We're presented, as always, by Omaha. Speaking of Omaha, another one of their fine products, Always College Football, hosted by Greg McElroy. That host, Greg McElroy, is about to join me and Eddie Spaghetti seated there behind the glass, Spaghetti wringing his hands like all hockey fans, well, fans of teams whose teams made the playoffs getting real nervous. Nothing like the white knuckle two month experience of the NHL playoffs. Those are upcoming um, NBA playoffs are underway. The NFL draft about a week away. Now Lamar Jackson, much like Jalen hurts has a big offer in front of him. The report is $200 million um, offered from the Ravens to Lamar Jackson. I assume that's going to work out there at this point. Now, big draft rumor from Peter King, out on Monday morning, the Steelers are looking possibly to trade up to Jalen Carter. The only issue I have with that rumor is that the Steelers are famously non-leakers. So I don't know exactly where that rumor might have come from. Not to dampen anybody's en- enthusiasm if you're a Steelers fan. For Texans fans, the book is now that maybe Houston is willing to move on from the number two pick or at least not take C.J. Stroud there. I say fat and double fed to that. I say plus 180 second overall pick at Caesars is where you can get a CJ Stroud as the second overall pick plus 180 to the Texans. How will say you there spaghetti. You think it's all smoke screen. I think it's gotta be the Ohio state kid, right?
1: I, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, as a person, I bet Bryce Young to go first overall. I, I do think the Anthony Richardson talk and, uh, the CJ Stroud talk going first. I just don't buy it. to me. Bryce Young, and I'm sure we'll get into this with Greg, but to me, Bryce Young is, uh, far and away the best quarterback in this. I've watched them. Not that I'm some, uh, you know, uh, tape guy and I could measure all these quarterbacks out, but just from the eye test. Bryce Young succeeding in the SEC despite his size, uh, being able to run when he needs to, being able to throw the ball on a dime when he needs to. And yes, Alabama is full of talented players, but to me, he is the best player. But the consolation, uh, you know, CJ Stroud, like I said last week with, uh, with you and Hench, he are he could have had the best game out of any of these quarterbacks in that loss to Georgia in the playoff, and I, and I think you know CJ Stroud didn't go the way he wanted versus Michigan, didn't win, but he's a a dang good quarterback. So I think the number two overall pick, CJ Stroud, makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, it's funny, though, because now as we get closer and closer, these guys are not bulletproof, guaranteed successes. You know, that now, as most of these QBs do, when you get right up against the draft, people are doing a lot of, yeah, but maybe he won't be good because, and I hear that on Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, I think you got to roll the dice in this new world order where if it doesn't work out with C.J. Stroud, you move on from him as soon as 24, maybe 25. If you're the Texans, it is the QB league. I do like the moves they've made. Otherwise, I do think you need to try and land that, and not try and not roll with Davis mills for another year there. Um. Meantime, mostly fun weekend of the NBA. Um. Obviously, the Bucks are doomed without Giannis if he has to sit for any amount of time there. And the same very likely goes for the Grizz without Ja. The big takeaway for me, though, watching this weekend and, you know, I love it. Underdog stories are great, but I love when the guys who have to do it, rise up and do it. And, I, you know, that's what you saw with uh, with the Clips and Suns game one. A great shoot out there. And it did feel to me my my overarching takeaway watching this first round was whoever survives that clip sun series is going to go to the finals from the West. Russ Westbrook was great, even though he was terrible, some dynamite plays down the stretch to be so nails to fail regularly for 44 minutes and to still be willing to take the shots. I know that could be perceived as reckless and maybe it is, but I did love the nails he showed coming down the stretch there against Booker and the rest of them. And I say, It's Clips or Suns, unless it's the dubs. All of a sudden, if Wiggins is not just going to return, but play at that level, I mean, in a soft West, what's the what's the ceiling on how far the Warriors can take this thing? That said, that was my favorite game in a long time in the NBA was watching the Sacramento Kings at home after their long walk through the desert there's nothing better for a long suffering fan base especially in a smaller sports town like Sacramento that has a uh, a chip on its shoulder like that you could feel the electricity coming through the TV did you have a chance to watch that one
1: spaghetti i did a deep dive in the nba all i did was consume myself with the mlb and nba this weekend i watched uh, the kings Uh, Warriors game. Obviously, I watched the Knicks Cavaliers game, watched the Celtics game, watched the 76ers Nets game. So I was trying to get my mind off of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I made sure to watch every inning of Yankees baseball and every NBA playoff game did catch some of the games last night, too. Um, I just wanted to, to not think one second about puck. And I guess I could call it quasi successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. I, like I say, you know, obviously, if you're a Milwaukee fan, you're probably pretty low right now. And anything short of the return of Giannis is is going to be hard to turn your little depression around. But I thought, like I say, the atmosphere in Sacktown and De'Aaron Fox specifically, it was great. And they, were, you know, they fell behind and then they rallied back. And then, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, The, you know, one of the 10 best players in NBA history, Steph turns it on. And so does Clay Thompson and they're nailing crazy threes and, and runners in the lane floaters. I mean, it was remarkable stuff. And then the Aaron Fox returns favor. And I think a lot of guys in that spot. You know, it wouldn't be a knock on them if they couldn't rise to the occasion with Steph and Clay defending world champs. And yet, Fox specifically did. So did Monk and the surrounding cast. But really, it was Fox who rose up there. And it was a magical night. And they celebrated as though they had won the title. And even if they lose four straight, I still think a wildly successful season for Sacramento, something to build on in the NBA where it generally takes two or three years to build to a championship yep. level team. I thought it was marvelous stuff to watch. And with that being said, I'm taking the dubs lay in one in SAC town on Monday night.
1: Yeah. You. That's, that's my only issue with the NBA to like to, to get on its case for that is, it was awesome seeing the building rock, and you know, the, with the Kings winning the game, beating uh, you know this Warriors team who's been really at the the forefront of being you know a dynastic type of team. Whether different iterations of it with Kevin Durant, without Kevin Durant, but they're always winning. Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Now you add Andrew Wiggins, and they made some nice moves in the draft. Like they're a powerhouse, and that's what's sad about this Kings team. Is like the Kings, like the, the Warriors, could lose Game One. You're like they could win four straight and win the series, and eventually even win the title. Even if the Kings advance, like no one really believes them to win the title, and that's my only issue with the NBA is like there's you don't see teams go on these runs. Like you do see that happen. The NFL wildcard teams go on runs. You could see in the NHL all the time. There was a stretch where eight seeds are beating one seeds regularly. The NBA doesn't have that. Uh, I do like the the, the 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 Kings. They win game one. I do think the Warriors will win game two. I think the Warriors are probably end up winning the series as well. But uh, it was fun to see that while it happened.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. And like I say, you know, the clips, you know, I'm not saying anything, anybody that said no, but if Paul George, if they take down the Suns without Paul George, and then you put him in, I don't know who's getting in their way coming out of the West. That's for sure. Meantime, the puck is about to drop. Um, I am going to go with, I've been meditating on this one and I just can't see, I can't see clearly on this one. I'm in my feelings, obviously about the Penguins. Thank goodness. They moved on from Ron Hextall. That was never Uh, A good situation to have a Philadelphia Flyers trying to run the show. So I'm glad they moved on there. Hopefully brighter days lay ahead. The problem is that the Wales Conference is loaded up. I'm going to go with, you know, I'm big on the curse of the President's Cup. I'm going to take the Boston Bruins. I know that there's some sickness running through that locker room. There's some mystery around Patrice Bergeron's health. I'm gonna go with the Bruins. This was a his this wasn't just the best team in the NHL this year. This was a historically good team with 65 wins. They have the curse of Sposta weighing heavy on their shoulders. I think they have enough as the canes have fallen back a little bit because of injury. I like where I think the Leafs have a lot to deal with themselves. I'm gonna go with the Bruins to survive the Wales. And they're going to play the Edmonton Oilers. I think it is finally their time. They fix them up. I think the issue for them, a high-flying bunch like them, is I as recently as a year ago, last spring, I thought, man, the Calgary Flames are going to beat them up. And I could make that case in my mind that the LA Kings are built to do the same thing. But then I think about that Flame series last year, and that's not what's going to get Edmonton. They just need to slow down the other team just enough. They just they don't have to become a shutdown defensive team. They just have to be good enough and they are now with the rookie netminder and the additions at the at the uh at the trade deadline that they are now not all go go go. They have enough pieces there to survive against the Avs and the Wild and your pick the Stars. So I'm going to go with the Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers to get there to play the mighty Bruins. I almost, almost out of the whales took your rag spaghetti, but I just can't see clearly what happens in this dev series because the devs, if they win, the atmosphere is not going to be the same. It's going to be electric, no doubt, but it's going to have a lot of red, white, and blue in the stands, probably as much, correct me if I'm wrong, as there will be devils faithful. They're going to be, just as many Manhattanites and otherwise supporting your team. But if the devils win the first two, it would spook me to the degree that I think the devils might just run all the way to the final. How say you?
1: Um, I don't really want to give a pick. I mean, literally, this series is gonna make me go crazy. I, I think it's. What do you terrible, mean you don't
0: want to give a pick?
1: I, I don't want to give a pick. I want to avoid this series like like the plague. I, I, it's making me sick. I, I think it's a bad matchup for the Rangers. <laughs> um, last year I was pretty cavalier about having the Penguins in round one. The Rangers own the Penguins in the regular season. Um, if you watch every Rangers Devils game this year now, granted, the big, big, big asterisk is most of the Rangers Devils games that were played. I think just except for one was pre-Taras pre Patrick Kane move. And then the last game they played where well, they had those guys, the Rangers were missing Ryan Lingren, which to you may not sound like it's a big deal, but he is uh, Adam Fox's line mate in the deep pairing. He is as, uh, you know,
0: that's my guy. I, I, Lingren for me, for whatever reason is the guy a, who I just feels like is a massive ad on the blue line. He
1: is. He's the, he's the glue guy. He's the guy that lets Adam Fox uh, North Shrubby winner, Adam Fox, do his thing. And uh, he's a stay at home guy. He's tough as nails. They needed him terribly. Uh, and he back. So I will say I feel good about that. This the roster is, you know, and by all accounts a fully healthy roster. Um, we have the goaltending, we have the playoff experience, which is huge, which the devils do not. I think the Rangers are a deeper team. But the big reason I'm afraid of is obviously watching these games how they win the regular season. Either the Rangers had a two-goal lead and gave it up to the Devils, or the Devils are up on the Rangers two goals. Um, that's never a good thing. And the, the Rangers are as talented as they are, do turn the puck over quite a bit. Uh artemi Pernaro, I'm looking at you. And the devil's capitalize on turnovers and they're a fast team. That's what scares they me. Are, I, that's a, but they're I, crazy.
0: They're, they're, that team speed that they have is, is something to behold. And if I do like, I do like your ability to kind of keep up with that. And as you and I have talked offline and maybe on the show as well, I think the strength, it's not just what you have between the pipes, I really like that blue line, this side of the Bruins. I think it's the best in the conference. That's I think that's the secret ingredient that people don't maybe celebrate as much as who's going to score big goals for this team. But I, I mean, I just think the, the rags blue line is, is mighty potentially.
1: It is. And uh, I, I mean, I do think the the Rangers could, I, I, I think the Rangers will win the series in six or seven games. Um, probably seven games. I do think an advantage is the home ice. The Rangers have the most expensive ticket in hockey for the playoffs at MSG. There won't be any Devils fans there. And I know for the fact that the big, that game that just happened recently, the Rangers lost two uh, two to one of the Devils at, at their Prudential Center. I, I know people who are there and they said it was it was easily 70% Rangers fans, 30% Devils fans in their home building. Uh, I think a lot of Rangers fans will go to, this, to the Devils Arena for the cheaper ticket. And I do see the Rangers being uh, having, Rangers fans having a way bigger price there. So there was no home ice advantage for the devils in a playoff environment. So that actually is a huge negative for them. Like I said, they can't roll four lines like the Rangers can. Uh, and I think the experience goes a long way, but it's going to be a tough series. They're a tough matchup. I much would have rather had the, the hurricanes. In fact, if you're looking for an upset alert, I do think the Isles can beat the hurricanes. I would have loved them in the first round and the Isles seemingly play the devils very well because they're just a stout smart team. that does not turn the puck over. Um, but, you know, that's the, the luck of the draw and uh, I've done everything in my power to kind to forget about this until uh, tomorrow, four o'clock Pacific time.
0: Well, I'm glad we brought it back. You just heard yeah. it here, everybody. Eddie Spaghetti says the New York Rangers are guaranteed to win. Great bet. Plus 115, six or seven. If you want to get into the specific game, go to Caesars. A lot of fun bets around the Stanley Cup playoffs available to you. You can pick game one winner and then series winner. And those two things do not have to be the same. Some fun juice attached to those. If you think a team's going to come out there, jump a favored team, but then the favored team's going to end up winning the series. Some fun plays available to you there. I don't know about, I mean, Anthony rant is, I mean, that's a big drop off. I mean, people are saying that the, that the Isles might win it because of Sorokin. I think, as I've said before, very few goalies can steal a series in the 21st century. Goalies can lose you a series though, too. Anthony rant between the pipes for the Cates is uninspiring.
1: Oh no, I I definitely disagree with you on that. I mean, he's been, he's been statistically the best goalie, but that's probably for the second half of the NHL season, like in the entire league. Sorokin. No, Antti Ranta has been like arguably one of the best goalies in the league.
0: He's yeah. been statistically the best goalie for he's the entire the, second half of the yeah, season. Yeah, He's been one
1: of the best goalies in the second half of the season. Yeah. So him, him, them having him, he is their Plus Um, that's, that's the thing I have that the Canes have going for them. But I think just the Isles brand of hockey is just tough. They'll shut down what the Canes do. And obviously the Canes missing, you know, missing Smechnikov is massive. So I, I just think the Isles, do I think the Isles could win the Stanley Cup? No. I'm sorry, you know, meatballs and parlay kids, Sal, they're not built to win the cup, but I think they could somehow sneak by and win like a seven game series in the first well, round. I mean,
0: right. Of course. So if, 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 if Matt Barzell equals Andrew Wiggins, if Andrew Wiggins can play like that for the dubs after all that time off, if Barzell comes back, I mean, that's a pretty big X factor to drop in there. That gives you a man. The, the question with the Canes is always, especially without fetching is, are they going to be able to score enough goals? Well, now you're dropping in a goal scorer and a playmaker onto the other side of things. I buy that as an upset. Um, I bet you the Panthers get a game or two off of the Bs here. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to get over my skis with this President's Cup thing for the for what I already said there. I, 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 I'm going to ride with it. There's got to be some... There's got to be some through line to these things. We've got to have a rhythm section with our sports. It can't just be all coin flips and the Bruins after what was it? 64, 65 wins. That's that's got to mean something um, to the sports gods. And I don't like the Bruins. I don't support them, but let's not see uh, uh, an entire NHL regular season rendered moot by the Florida Panthers here who barely snuck into the playoffs. All right. You know what? Enough NBA enough puck. Now it's time for pro football.
2: within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770. STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harrah's, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call one 800 327
0: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza.
3: Better because it has to be.
0: All right, just in time with a bunch of phonies and pretentious people as the draft draws ever closer in the QB League. Who better to talk to than a guy who made the transition from college athlete to the NFL as a quarterback and who can break down the quarterbacks about to be picked off the board. You know what? The whole world of it. It's the host of always college football. Greg McElroy. What's happening, man? How are you? Good to be back with you, check. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. uh, Better for your company. What do you make of? I, you know, I I hate to start off with, uh, you know, with a little vinegar here, but Every year it drives me crazy. What do you make of people who are alleged draft experts who don't watch college football? Do you think you can really, is there is there a needle that can be thread there that like, I didn't watch any of them, but you know, I've been grinding tape for a couple of weeks here. So now I'm up to speed on, on who's going to be good in the NFL.
3: Well, I think that's why there's so many misses. Not that us as college analysts would excel because it's not really the same game. Um, you, I mean, you can watch the tape and not understand the guy. So I I think that so often when you're drafting a guy, look, everybody's going to put their best foot forward in the draft process, right? Like if they don't, all right, (laughs) run away and run away as fast as you can. But are you really able to get to know a guy over the course of a three and a half, four month period, or do you really need several years in being around the kid, having covered the kid, watching the kid mature, watching him go through the ups and the downs of playing at the college level. Uh, I think that's why there's a lot of misses because people try to cram for the test. And sure, sometimes you prepare and get the answers right that you ultimately wanted to get right. But there's a reason why Mitch Trubisky was drafted second, Mahomes was drafted, what, 10th? And there's a reason for that. And every single one of us could have told you Hey man, Deshaun Watson's pretty good player, you know? And and if you just watch Deshaun Watson and watch his productivity and watch how he moves and how he handles all these different aspects in the pocket and how he can get guys open, how he anticipates throws, every one of us could have told you he's going to be a pretty good pro. So uh, I think that there, sometimes it's very obvious, like Trevor Trevor Lawrence, everyone and their brother knew. The second he stepped out there as a true freshman, he's going to be a great college player and Conversely, a great NFL player too. So, um I think it just depends, not that the college guys have all the answers. I'm sure there's several guys I loved coming out that would have busted and guys that I that I didn't love so much that have been great. But uh there've been a bunch of examples in which our prognostications are are probably pretty good relative to some of the dice rolls that we see at times in the NFL.
0: Where were you specifically on one guy? There was a lot of I feel like it was about as 50-50 as it could get. Jalen hurts. What did you say
3: three years ago? Did you see this level coming from this guy? I didn't love him coming out. Um, Loved his intangibles, loved his makeup. Felt like he's the type that you'd have a difficult time betting against, you know, just because of the way he responded to adversity in college. If you look at his first two years, really wasn't that great a player. Um, Good freshman year, sophomore year was a little hesitant to, to cut it loose, was scared to make a mistake. Tua Tungavallo was a true freshman on that team, breathing down his neck. So he knew that if he made a mistake, then Tua might get inserted into the lineup and he might never get it back. So he was really cautious, kind of conscientious with the football. And it was difficult to get a gauge unless a guy was completely wide open. And then you go to the next year, he was able to go in as a backup to Tua and and he just got so much better because he was entering the game and they're up for touchdown. So if you throw a pick, who cares? Like let it rip. I mean, it didn't matter at that point. So mistakes weren't going to be as scrutinized when the game's already out of hand. And then fast forward to his time at Oklahoma it was a very quarterback friendly offense. Guys were wide open. CeeDee Lamb, for instance, was always wide open. Just, hey, just throw it to him. And and all that was going to work out. I was just a little concerned about the pinpoint accuracy that would be required in the NFL. Would he be able to make that transition? And he's clearly been able to do that. And one thing I wasn't sure of, I mean, he was a great, powerful runner. In college, I didn't think that that would translate because are you really going to run guys over in the next level? Probably not. Are you going to be able to shimmy and make guys miss as often as he did in college? Probably not. I thought that would be a difficult part of his transition too. So I was actually on the fence that he'd be a great backup, uh, but not an elite level starter. And clearly he's proven, you know, all of his doubters wrong up to this point and and has now been rewarded with a remarkably lucrative contract.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that about his running because that's one Aspect of a QB that you try and evaluate. As a, for instance, Josh Rosen to me, I thought, man, imperfect at UCLA, but not a perfect situation for the kid there. And, you know, all the stuff about how smart he was. And he obviously had a pro level whip. But I thought, boy, he's going to be able to burn some guys in the NFL with his legs. And a couple of smart people told me, no, no, that advantage he has will go away at the pro level. He's not going to be fast enough. He's not big enough to run away from those guys. You know, I, The evaluation is great because it it does seem like, you know, for the final two months of this stretch, you know, combine and pro days and all of that, it's easy to get seduced by the specimen, Anthony Richardson. I, you know, I'm of the mind largely that if the goal is to get the best is to get the biggest upside, then Anthony Richardson is kind of the pick there. But then I go the other way. And I like gunslingers, too, by the way, you know, as a football fan, it's more fun to me, I think, to watch Elway, Favre, Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, than it is to watch the surgeons, Brady, Peyton, Breeze um, and so on. Uh, So, I I mean, ultimately, is it impossible like where, where you started five minutes ago with we didn't know the kid, like. Is it overstated or just ultimately unknowable that how much tape the kid grinds is a factor in who's going to be good at the NFL? Or is it just a, you know, or is it more about like find me the best possible specimen and we'll make it work around him and we'll teach him how to learn pro level offense. If that's well, not I, too convoluted a question. No, no, no,
3: no. I, I I know where you're going. I, I think the big thing with Andy, Anthony Richardson, like if you want raw horsepower, like he's your guy. I mean, that's, Simple as that, but how malleable is he, right? I think that's, that's a big question. I mean, if you look at that from week to week, his performance against Utah week one, and then his second week, his performance against Kentucky, it was almost as if he was a completely different guy. Like, why is that? And, and help me understand why that is, because to me, it felt like it was all mental. It's like, man, I don't, I just lit the world up in week one. Everyone's talking about me as like the next Vince Young and I, I don't want to disappoint anybody, so I, I just I'm scared to make a mistake, and it just it just never came to be. And then you look at him a little bit later against Tennessee, uh, against LSU. There were some good moments for Anthony Richardson. He's got great physical skill set, but we know that. I don't need to explain that to anybody that's paying attention. I mean, if you just watch him for ten minutes, you know that there are rare traits that that he can put on display. But I do think you can't just overpower the NFL you referenced well gunslinger versus surgeon I'm not sure you can just be one and not the other anymore uh, mm. the best gunslingers are also surgeons and that's why Mahomes is different he's a good gunslinger great physical skill set but will pick you apart With what you do and line up in defensively,
0: who are those guys? Because I'm fascinated by my own metaphors that I've created around (laughs) quarterbacks. Gun gunslinger's old surgeon is new. I I thought that game manager was disrespectful. I that I think surgeon gets is is a little more genuflecty. But then what do we call Mahomes, Rogers, and I guess that's what Bryce Young is supposed to be. Is that is that hybrid of the two? sort of guys, Justin Herbert, maybe fits into that category. It can beat sure. you in various
3: ways, but yeah, we need, a we need to work. I mean, oh, burrow, right? Yeah. That's I mean, he's, one. he's surgical. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Josh Allen, when he was coming out, it was really more athletic and it took him a little while to make the transition to become more surgical. And I think that's still a, a bit of a work in progress As a good as he is. I do think that there's game management aspects of his game that are continuing to improve. So I, I, you know, I think that it's everybody wants Mahomes. And if you can't get Mahomes, everybody wants Josh Allen. Well, if you can't get Josh Allen, everybody wants Burrow. Okay, fine, but it's also a little bit circumstantial. Burrows surrounded by a remarkable supporting cast. Uh, if and when that supporting cast leaves because they become too expensive, then will he have the same efficiency? I, I don't know. I mean, he's never taken the field even dating back to his college days. He took the field with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Uh, now and Clyde Edwards-Helaire was his running back, a first-round pick, Kansas City Chiefs. Now he's taking the field with two All Pros and in, in Higgins, and and obviously what Jamar Chase has done already in the NFL. I think the Bengals, you can make a case, have argued with the best set of weapons in the entire NFL. So. I think it just depends. And they're gonna bit. get one of those tight ends, one of the fancy pass catching <laughs> tight ends in the first round, it seems like. It seems like that. Yeah, for sure. But it's it's one of those where when you look at everything, um I don't think you could be a one-trick pony anymore. I mean, you have to be able to create, you have to be mobile. You have to be willing to take what the defense gives you and be that game manager, understanding what the team needs at that specific point of the game, given down and distance to keep the offense moving. If you try to do too much, you'll get sacked. The next thing you know, behind the sticks and you're in trouble. Uh, so I, I think that you have to be a hybrid of all of the above. nowadays to be a high level quarterback. Rogers has been that forever. Um, absolute gunslinger, but also a tactician with sneaky athleticism that I think is constantly underrated and constantly undervalued. The guy's really mobile and kind of run away from defenders uh, and has at times in his career. So I I think over the course of, you know, of the evaluation process now, and you look at all the guys coming out that are going to get drafted in the first round, all of them have mobility, all of them have enough arm to make all the throws. All of them have been pretty accurate with the exception of Levis and Richardson who have streaky accuracy. Um, so I, I think that there's a reason why all these guys are going as high as they are because they showcase multiple traits that would allow them to sneak into the first round.
0: Yeah, it, it's, um, I you know, the, the, the notion of trying to divine though, you know, back to, you know, where, I started about 5 minutes ago here trying to divine what's in the head and the work ethic and the thing I keep here I was I was in Pittsburgh talking with some of the Steelers people and and they rave about Kenny Pickett man this kid just study study studies and it does sound like that that's the common thread with Brady and Peyton and, and 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 you know guys who succeed who aren't necessarily the most gifted physical specimens where are you on Kenny Pickett going into year two in the, because situation, obviously we're not talking about anybody in a vacuum here in a good situation. They beefed up the offensive line there in Pittsburgh, some nice weapons there. Do you like Kenny Pickett's upside? Is there an upside or is it just entirely about how much this kid can learn watching tape and making the quick decisions necessary to, to uh, take advantage of what he sees pre-snap?
3: Yeah, I wasn't he's not he's super, a specimen, right? I mean, yeah, I no, he's not. I wasn't super high. I mean, he has plenty of arm. Um, but I wouldn't say he's, you know, a freak show by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Kenny Pickett was one of the guys that was not as high on. I didn't really like anybody in that class. Uh, I just thought the class overwhelmingly was okay. Um, not anywhere near the upside of this current class and then next year's class as well with Caleb Williams and Drake May and and a few other guys that will be coming out in the 24 draft. So uh, that year's class, just not really in love with them. Saw Kennedy Pickett at the Senior Bowl, was underwhelmed. Did like Sam Howell a little bit, but I think Mm -hmm. his ceiling is a little bit limited. I think he's got a chance, though, now to kind of take Take the step now with the commanders to maybe become that QB1 for the foreseeable future. But uh, you know, I I'm not as high on Kenny Pickett as others. I I love the guy. I'm better around him. But what I've noticed, and if you really want to play quarterback at the highest possible level, you got to be crazy. And you do. You have to be crazy. Peyton Manning, crazy, chip on his shoulder. Uh, Tom Brady, crazy chip on his shoulder. Drew Brees, crazy chip on his shoulder. Like all these guys that go on to have ridiculous careers, not only are they very accurate, very smart, very decisive study, a ton of tape. Those things are prerequisite, man. If you don't study a lot of tape, you're just not going to be very good. Like there's only so many Kyler Murray's out there that don't watch a lot of tape that aren't going to be grinders that are just going to make plays on the fly. Like you have to be able to study tape. That's a prereq. There's not a single guy in the NFL that doesn't do it. You know, I mean, Kyler, I think now has even matured to the point where he's watching tape and preparing because he knows that's the best way to progress So I think that there's a lot of, you know, if you have to just praise a guy for how much tape he watches, like, okay, (laughs) I don't care. You better. It's your job. Self-preservation and watching tape and studying is your job. So to me, that doesn't make you special. What makes you special are the guys that are pissed that even after a touchdown, they're pissed that they missed that second and 10. Yeah. Hey, they went eight for nine on that drive with a touchdown and 72 yards but they're pissed about the second down seven incompletion they threw out in the flat. Like those are the guys that I, that I would bank on every day and twice on Sunday. So the guys that are a little bit crazy, the guys that are perfectionist, the guys that are never going to be satisfied, even if the result is what the result ultimately becomes in a touchdown or a win or a super bowl. Those are the guys I want to bank on. Like the fact that Patrick Mahomes will still be playing, against guys that were drafted in front of him and count to 10 on his hands, even though he's the highest paid player in the history of the NFL with the $450 million contract. And he's still pissed that he went 10th overall. Those are the guys that I want to buy. Those are the guys that I want to take Josh Allen who's pissed that he only had one scholarship offer coming out of high school. And that was to Wyoming. He's pissed about that. Still. It's like, hang on, dude, you're one of the highest paid players in the history of the NFL I'll take that guy every day and twice on Sunday. Lamar Jackson's pissed that when he was going through the process, that, hey, people thought I should change positions. Like he's pissed at the world about that and is trying to prove someone wrong. Even after he gets paid, he's going to continue to try to prove people wrong. Like those are the guys that I would bank on. And those would be the guys that I would, you know, those would be the guys I, that I would. I love it, but how would process. we know? How
0: do we know until after the fact, right? We
3: don't. Oh, know you, you can you can kind of tell the makeup a little bit. The fact that Peyton Manning walks into the owner's office or the GM's office said, "If you don't take me, you're going to regret it every single week for the rest of your career." Hmm. Like, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, you but I tell I those gotta, guys that are wired
0: to play Devil's Damashek. Though you know who else did that? Josh Rosen. Oh man, those nine teams. See, that if, if, take if you me. ask the
3: people that covered Josh Rosen, you would tell they would tell you that he was painfully immature. And you you can listen to the press conference chatter is different. You just, you can tell, like I could have told you that Josh Rosen was not going to work out. I think he's pure throwing the football, but he was, he was very immature in his process Mm -hmm. of being the quarterback at UCLA. He just was. So, and, and that's part of, you got to lean into the college aspect of it as well. I mean, the guy had a hot tub in his, in his, you know, in his,
0: <laughs> in his dorm, Maybe that you know, and I, I, I'm not mad flag. at that.
3: Like I, I'm not I'm just saying like, there are things that you, you can find out about guys talking a big talk in a press conference after the fact is fine, but you know, I, I need to know what makes you tick prior to getting into the press conference after you've been disappointed. That's what I need to figure out. So th- that's what I would try to figure out as best as humanly possible. Um, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to find out. and to be honest, you look at all the guys that are coming out this year. there's are a couple strong personalities but but it doesn't you don't have that obvious like oh that dude's an alpha dog when evaluating the quarterback spot this year. like Bryce Young's a really nice kid like really good dude, good family, great I mean great support system, uh has had a ton of success at the college level has had to deal with some disappointment, having lost the national championship, but he won the Heisman. I mean, he's had to deal with a lot of positives. Uh, CJ Stroud, not a lot of negativity throughout his his career, other than the two losses to Michigan. I mean, he'd been questioned in those games, came back against Georgia and maybe the biggest game of his career and played the best game of his career and almost ultimately won that game uh, against the Bulldogs in Atlanta in the semifinal this past year. Levis had to transfer uh, because he was beat out for the starting job by Sean Clifford, gets a fresh start at at Kentucky. Experienced a ton of adversity this past year when his offensive line was leaking. The run game wasn't as good, so would like to get to the bottom of that. And then Richardson, you know, just inconsistent performance throughout his career. He'd be a little bit of a concern for me because mentally shaky would be something that would make me a li- give me a little bit of pause, a little bit of apprehension because I don't like my quarterbacks to be a roller coaster. I need to know mm-hmm. what I'm getting from their guy every single week. And if he is unflappable, the performance might not always be level, but you can tell by looking at a guy's eyes, whether or not he has it, or he doesn't have it on a given day. And there were a number of times last year, they were talking about a guy that might go in the top five that looked like he didn't have it and looked like a deer in headlights. So that would concern me a little bit when evaluating him and he transitions to the next level,
0: man, I, th- this is a great new drill at the combine, Greg McElroy's eye test. Like you just walk up and, now it's time. Okay. The forties have been run in the three cone time. Get rid of been the combine. The combines were McElroy just like. <laughs> walks up to every QB and looks him in the eyes for 10 straight seconds. And then he turns around and says, McElroy says it's Bryce young this year. That would be a cool new feature. I'm with I, don't the how, I don't know. So I don't know.
3: I would tell you this. Ed, we won't bat a thousand. Uh, I can promise you that, but I, I do think that there is a part of the valuation process, at that position specifically where, It's just too much stock is put into the pro day. Too much stock is put into the combine. Nobody cares. Like if I'm going to draft a guy based on a performance in a pro day or a combine, like you might as well pack your tent as an organization. Like I want nothing to do with those two events and evaluating who my guy's going to be. I completely
0: agree. It seems crazy to me that you wouldn't evaluate a guy. Of course, you want to meet him and and kibitz with him and get to know him as a human being some, but... Ultimately, doesn't it matter what he did on Saturdays for the last three years versus what he does? And and the weirdest thing about pro days and the combined to me is why don't they at least wear helmet and pads? You did this. Doesn't it impact how you throw the ball when you have a helmet on versus not?
3: I mean, if it, it does, does if it does, then you really don't need to get drafted. <laughs> uh, so I don't, maybe I'm know,
0: applying me. That's heavy on my arm. I can't throw it. That right. I'm applying yeah. Damashek logic to. I'll uh yeah, all class
3: athletes. On, I'll pass on those okay. guys. <laughs> some of the guys I like <laughs> in this year's class, though. I mean, uh, for, uh, outside of like the aforementioned top guys, because let's be real. I mean, they're all going to go in the top four. Who cares? Like, I mean, it doesn't really matter where they end up. It's going to be situational. Like, some one of these four guys going to go to in a great situation and everything's going to be great for him. One guy's going to go into a God awful situation. They're going to have a terrible career. It's going to happen. I mean, just you roll the dice. That's the way it's going to go. Um, but some guys down the list that I would roll the dice on that I think have that edge, Max Duggan, TCU. Hmm. I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm just saying he'd be a guy I'd roll the dice on third day. Uh, another guy that I would, I would roll the dice on would be Jake Hayner from Fresno state. Uh, I really like his game. Think he has the the right mental makeup, the right moxie to be able to step into a situation and potentially surprise. So those would be a couple. A lot of people say Stetson Bennett. I think Stetson Bennett's immature. Uh, I, I think he's. I, I just. I think he's a good player. I think he had a great year last year. But he was in college for seven years, and didn't graduate. Like that to me, just uh, that to me feels immature. And I just. I, I think that. And he yeah, had the the you know the the public in talks earlier this year during the combine during the draft process. I just look, everyone's entitled to do what they want to do, but he would be one that would be a day three guy that I'd be a little bit more weary of, even though I think he had a great season last year. I think he's a really good player, but I want to know how are you from a maturity standpoint? And if I need you to become a pro or become a face of a multi-billion dollar franchise, can you do it? And there's, you know, I, that I don't care if it's first four picks or the seventh round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Every single quarterback that I'm evaluating has to check the maturity box because you're just not going to be able to play at a high level if you don't check that box.
0: We, you know, we talked about it the last time you and I um, d- uh, got together um, that you were QB three in the Tebow Sanchez experience with the New York Jets. I am of the mind, the way you mentioned Duggan. I love the idea of a guy, of drafting a guy and and letting him know day one, like, You're the backup. Like, I want you to be a professional backup QB in the NFL. Like, you know, Jason Garrett was successful doing that. Chaz batch in Pittsburgh never was under any illusion that he was going to supplant Big Ben. I like that kind of a guy and developing that guy long term. How say you on on that sort of approach? Because like I don't think anybody's looking at Duggan and saying like, yep, he's the answer for us long term as a franchise.
3: No, I mean, he's not going to be. But I mean, think about the guys that have been drafted in that situation, like Kirk Cousins, for as many detractors as he yeah, has. Right. The guy's had a heck of a career. I mean, uh, so those are guys that can be difference makers from a franchise standpoint. Worst case scenario, I mean, if anything, you can get some draft equity out of it. I mean, think about what Kevin Kolb was, even though he, he he ultimately fizzled. But there was some draft equity there, even though he was a down, you know, a down the line uh, backup there for a little bit. Uh, Look what Brock Purdy did this past year. I mean, where would San Francisco have been if not for Brock Purdy's emergence? And if you look at just how many backup quarterbacks played in the 2022 NFL season, it is absurd. I mean, look at what Mike White's getting paid now. Look at what Heineke's getting paid. Like these guys are making real money And, and rightfully so, because the likelihood of them having to play, it seems like is higher than ever because more quarterbacks are mobile. More quarterbacks are doing RPO. They're taking bigger hits. They're missing games. Uh, it just it just seems to be happening more. Look what Gardner Minshew did. And there's it just if you look at it, there just right. feels like the backup quarterback position there is a new premium on that spot. Not saying it's ever going to be game-changing, generational, maybe for some of us. I mean, 10 million bucks a year is pretty good. I think Mike White's hovering in that if he hits all of his incentives and everything. It's not like it's going to be a $50 million guy, but that's a really important piece, especially if your quarterback, your starter like Tua, has had a questionable injury history.
0: It's exactly what I'm thinking about. And it's weird because it's then it's hard to, to um figure out what who is that guy because Teddy B strikes me it's like well that would be the optimal figure to fill the position I'm talking about but of course they flamed out when Teddy B went under center and Tua went out um interesting you know um Teddy B's another guy who I think in the right situation you know he, he went to the playoffs and and all of right. that in his early years um I, I'm just thinking about this now is you know I I think it's overstate uh, the 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 um the franchise QB is understated nominally is I'm sorry is overstated who fills that bill Jared Goff with the Rams they drafted him first overall so they paid him out he almost won an MVP took him to a Super Bowl they paid him out and realized none of that adds up to him actually being the guy interesting act two that now in Detroit they probably are better served to stick with him than try and dip into the draft in 2023 to replace him but This is an evaluator I'm coming up with as we speak. What QBs out there? Because I think most NFL starting QBs can win a Super Bowl if you put them in the right spot. There are probably five or 10 QBs who are going to start in 2023 who probably have no chance of winning the Super Bowl with their team, and the teams understand that. What QBs out there can win multiple Super Bowls? Because I think if you win two, now it's like there's no fluke at all to that. Right? Is that fair to say that okay, a guy can, you know, Flacco his way or Brad Johnson his way or Trent Dilfer and, you know, all the examples that we can summon. Matt for Stafford. That. <laughs> I mean, there's a
3: bunch is, of them. Is I Stafford
0: mean, that guy? Could, I, mean, mean, I,
3: Staff- I, think, I mean, I think Staff's obviously a really good player. Um, but I mean, in right place, right time. I mean, that's everything though, right? I mean, Mark Sanchez almost got to two Super Bowls. So, I mean, there's, there's a million examples of, of guys that were close or, you know, almost, you know, almost surging through. Um, I mean Tannehill, Blake Bortles made a deep run with Jacksonville. I mean, it's just there's examples, uh, but that never would have happened
0: again, though, right? Like he, Blake Bortles never would have done that again, and that's kind of that's I guess what I'm getting at. Like, all right, things things break just so, and everything's magical for one six week stretch, and all of a sudden the Lombardi is a possibility for you, but it's not sustainable if that guy is is a ham and I, I, you, you get my point, right? Are there like, what? how many are there who are that guy? I don't care what's around him. That guy could win the Super Bowl because of who he is and who, and no matter, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a floor to it that obviously for right. complete garbage, but for the most part, you, well, you, it's, let's how many guys it.
3: are there and who are they? Let's go through it. AFC East. All right. You got Josh Allen. Okay. I think he can obviously win a Super Bowl. I don't think I need to. I don't know, man.
0: I don't know. Like he, he had to do it all last year and he couldn't
3: do it. Well, they'll, they'll get there though. I think the run game will get better this year. Or at least I'm hopeful okay. that it will. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, assuming he's a Jet, uh, okay. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Tua. I really do. He's just got to stay healthy. Which is, I, I agree hit. with
0: that. I think they would have. I, I really think they would have won the division and made some real hay last January if Tua had been right. I, I mean, I, I rode that all year long, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna double down on it again this year. I, I really believe it. Like I mean, I, I
3: think he's got a good feel. I think he's got. He doesn't have a huge arm. Uh, there's no denying that, but very accurate, he anticipates the throw. So I'm at three right now in one division, hmm. right, AFC North. We know Burrow can. I think Lamar Jackson can. Uh, I, you Lamar know, Lamar Jackson some- can win two
0: Super Bowls if he gets this two hundred million dollar guaranteed deal, and then I'd consumes see, a much
3: bigger chunk of the of the cap. Is it, well, I mean, I. Uh, Obviously, that's that's a hindrance, but it's not like he's taken the field with outside of Mark Andrews, like who? I mean, no disrespect to to his supporting cast. It's not like he's got high priced talent at wide receiver right now. Well, so, now he uh,
0: does with 18 million dollar OBJ. I right. OBJ.
3: That's off- fair point. If he hits all his incentives. Yes, that's right. It It does. I mean, I think it's 10 over off the top. Right. I don't recall exactly what the structure is. Uh, but yeah, I would say that we're at five right now. I'm excluding Deshaun Watson from that group right now. I'm cautiously optimistic he'll get back to playing as well as he did a few years back. Um, but I still, at this point, I haven't seen it in Cleveland, so it's tough for me to totally hop on that bandwagon. Uh, I think. You do, do you want to say the other number eight in the division? You can, if you I'm want not to. going to. No, I'm, but I'm, you, mean I'm you re- see the colors behind me, right? I'm going to respectfully uh, resist the urge to put second-year pro Kenny Pickett. I
0: hope camp. you're listening Ken yeah. pickett this is exa- I hope you're crazy enough to hear what McElroy is saying and let hey, it burn it's a not a knock it's just you.
3: I gotta see more I mean okay. I, I got to see more it's simple as that I think Trevor Lawrence can definitely do it uh nobody else in the AFC South I would feel confident in then I think you got two out West uh Kansas City obviously uh and the chargers. I'm a big fan of of Herbert I think Herbert's great TVD on the Raiders. Not, not willing to go covered much
0: G. bearer on the NFC side <laughs> though. Right. Yeah. And like Dak at this point, reasonable right. that he would well,
3: win two. A, a, answer me this. Can Russ Wilson get back? we're still in the AFC for a second before okay, we move sorry. on to the NFC. Okay. Russ has been to one, almost one, two. So there has one, almost one, two. So, I mean, I, I still think Russ can play high level football. I just think there was clearly a disconnect last year. Uh, <laughs> organizationally, but I'm not willing to totally dismiss him as getting back to playing high-level football down the road, even though I think it's unlikely. So where it was he seven? might
0: in a vacuum, he might in a vacuum. And I'm I, I and I'm I'm kind of with you, although, and I'll defer to you obviously, and this goes beyond the McElroy eye to eye test and more you putting your eyes on his physical gifts. i I was hearing from people who know what they're talking about who are saying, like, boy, Russ just looks cooked. Like he just it, it looks like the high end speed and the whip and all yeah. that. You just think it was purely the connection he had with the head coach.
3: Oh, I mean, there was a disconnect in the physical physical disconnect too. <laughs> he was not the same guy. Uh, so how do you get, get that back
0: guy. at thirty-four, or whatever he is now?
3: I don't know. We've seen guys make late career surges in the past. I I think it's unlikely if if you mm. were to tell me right now, do you believe that Russ is going to play, you know, all pro caliber football again? I would bet against that.
0: No, I, I mean, I am I, I know it's, I guess, semi-lazy kind of logic, but I do think that the vast majority, the, the sweet spot is the high end QB on his rookie deal. That's when guys are going to win their title. So I get skeptical once a guy gets to about year seven or eight and that contract is fully mature and he's taken up. 18 20 percent of the overall cap and how good the roster around him can be well look at Mahomes, and, though I mean Mahomes just proved that he's well I mean he's Patrick I mean, Mahomes though right
3: but I'm but I'm saying like if you are good enough you can elevate even beyond take up 20 percent of your team's cap fine you can elevate everyone else beyond where they currently are hey you lose Tyreek Hill no problem You lose this guy, no problem. We'll bring in Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year and let's see how he goes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but Kansas City is also going to be a destination for guys that are wanting to get back in the good graces in the eyes of the league. Like Juju Smith-Schuster goes there, takes a pay cut, one-year deal, prove-it deal. He gets paid now. So it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility that there are other places where that could become a destination as well. Philly, going to be interesting to see what happens with them, but I believe in Jalen Hurst based on what I've seen right now. I mean, we'll see... I mean, can you afford A.J. Brown? Can you afford Devontae Smith? He's going to get paid here very soon. Like, can you afford all these other pieces? I don't know. I feel, comp- feel pretty confident, though, that Jalen Hurts is going to be, you know, have Philly right back in the mix again next year. Dak, not as convinced. Uh, right now, with... with, I mean, every, anyone else in the NFC East do you feel great about? I mean... Nope. I, I know he just got paid. So, <laughs> you know, back to your logic about... Whether or not it can actually be done with a quarterback that's not on their rookie deal, it remains to be seen. I mean, uh, I like dimes. I can see I could, see, I, I could see things
0: going just right for dimes and then breaking through a magical year. I just find it hard to yeah, imagine. Like, They won the good. Super Bowl, they're gonna do it. I, I like him too. I, I'm I think he I think he's you know, I it, it hit my ear as loco when they drafted him when they did. Um uh, obviously proven right with all of that. I, 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 you know, this is a, he might just be stretching standard. the standard. though. Like last Maybe. year
3: was such a big developmental year for him. I mean, there's a possibility that the light now, now that he's gotten paid, the pressure's off. I know you're going to think, well, now he's gotten paid. The pressure goes up. No, like pressure's off now for him. Hmm. Like I don't have to prove it anymore. I'm the guy. And I think that we might see a different guy moving forward because Hey, man, I was worried about that deal. I was worried about my contract situation. I Now I now, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm in good shape. Like, I am going to be wealthy beyond <laughs> my wildest dreams. Let's just go play now. So I don't feel like great about anybody in the NFC North right now winning multiple Super Bowls where they're at. So NFC South, uh, obviously, with multiple teams in the quarterback market, I don't feel great about that. And then NFC West. I don't know if you can win multiple Super Bowls with Brock Purdy as your quarterback at San Fran. I do. I you can't. <laughs> you don't I mean, that, well, think you can? Come on, Brock Purdy's going to win a couple of Super Bowls. There's no. No, way. I'm just saying. I think there's. I think there's one team right now in the NFC where I'd say yes, for sure, they can win multiple Super Bowls with their quarterback, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the only one right now. And that's even saying with a little bit of an uncertainty, knowing how things might change when the supporting cast isn't as good around Jalen Hurts as it's likely to be here for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when you start talking about the, the Giants and producer Eddie Spaghetti there behind the glass loves this kind of talk. I do think it matters slightly. It's let's not get crazy about it in mid-April, but a third place schedule is advantageous for that team. You know, they get into the playoffs, they're feeling good about themselves and yet they still have a relatively favorable set of 17 games compared with uh, the teams above them. I mean, the Eagles are going to have tougher tests along the way than, than the gents are in
3: 23. Oh, but a third, but a third, a third place schedule. I mean, you still got the Rams. I mean, not, I mean, obviously not bad saints Packers. I mean, it's not like you're playing the middle tier of the, NFC is uh, the the margins are pretty slim. you know I mean, I mean, the Rams could bounce back They're two years removed from the Super Bowl run. No, I think they're totally in rebuild mode now, but still, I mean, it's not out of the question they bounce back from a five and twelve or whatever it was, man, that NFC I, I th- let's let's await the draft and see
0: if it fixes itself up because it does feel like the AFC. you know we talk about uh, Russell Wilson's chances of bouncing back. Yeah, maybe in a vacuum, but not in that, not in that the conference. How far is Sean Payton going to fix them up to be competitive against Mahomes and that Chargers roster? And we're just talking about within the division there.
3: Right.
0: Um Okay. Here now, let's shift wildly away from pro football here. And are, are you a, a a hockey guy at all? I imagine you are, as a Bama guy.
3: Yeah, <laughs> naturally. Uh, hockey for those Alabama fans that are listening is a game played on ice. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. With sticks and pucks. So, so far so actually, good. You do
0: know your stuff.
3: My my dad worked for the LA Kings. Um, early in the 90s, he got there in 91. So we experienced a pretty special run. Uh, you know, with Kelly Rudy and Robitaille and this young kid from 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 Canada named Gretzky, um, Yari Curry. I mean, we had a sweet roster. Rob Blake, um, Warren Reichel. Uh, you know, so. I remember the the nineties Kings. Those were the kind of the that was the team of my childhood. And then dad eventually moved to the Dallas Stars where we had Madano and uh and Belfour and all those guys that were that were amazing. Yari Lettman. Oh man. Oh uh, you, you yeah.
0: Chaz <laughs> Huddy back with the Kings. Yeah. That, <laughs> right. that that's my wheelhouse of stuff. With the 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 one of the great Missed opportunities, you know, like I would have loved to have seen Randall Cunningham's 15 and one Vikes play the defending champion Elway at uh, Terrell Davis Broncos. I think one of the biggest misses in sports possible matchups of my lifetime was that we didn't see Gretzky's Kings versus Lemieux's Penguins in 93 back-to-back championships with the pans Gretzky and, uh, and all the weight that that carried, man, that would have been great.
3: Instead, well, the we got- problem is we had to play the Montreal Canadiens. And they went in and measured, well, I'm convinced
0: ah, of this. Ah, McElroy really and, knows his stuff.
3: They went in and, and said <laughs> that that Marty McSorley had an illegal stick That's because right. they snuck into our locker room and we're getting ready to go up 2-0 and, <laughs> and come back to LA where, you know, the Great Western Forum's rocking and John Candy's sitting rinkside. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, not that it's too soon, but it is a little too soon to be bringing up the 93 Stanley Cup Finals. It was a difficult time for all of us. Don't start with me. Let me tell you something. You
0: you may be, well, this was before your involvement with the LA Kings, but 1989, Gretzky went in that MVP award over Lemieux, who was 30 points or, or more ahead of him. But Gretzky moved to L.A. and made Kurt Russell like hockey. So somehow that required him to get the MVP award. That, the most fraudulent of all MVP awards in, in any sport of my lifetime. But the next question, then, a Dallas Stars guy, Red Hall's goal was his foot in the crease. Yes or no?
3: It was, but who cares? It's revisionist history. If you try to say it wasn't, it doesn't matter. Like, what are you going to do? Say that, that Dominic Hoshik would have stopped it if his foot was six inches wider. Like, what are you, are you trying to suggest that, uh, by the way, I, I really liked that Buffalo Sabres team. So it, it was like one of those where you, I, I believe like Michael Pekka was on that team and a few other, like I really respected that group. So I, and I just love Buffalo sports. I don't know why. I just have always thought it's great. So I I just, if we were going to beat a team, I didn't want it to be them, but ultimately, Hey, my dad had never won a championship in his life. I mean, the guy played college football at the university of Hawaii for crying out loud. So I was happy for him to finally get a shot to win a Stanley cup ring. And he finally did there in 99. So no, I mean, yeah, he was in the crease, but who cares? Uh, I I root for the, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I root for the good
0: people of Buffalo myself. It's sort of like if you're watching the Sacramento Kings games, the, it's I right. root for them. They, they don't have, uh, you know, three or four teams to, to, <laughs> to, you know, focus in on, you know, so oh, yes, I would like for that, but they deserved it for those terrible
3: uniforms. Well, I'll say this, and, like if I, this going to sound, this is going to sound crazy, but like if we could have just flipped the following year, we lost, as a Dallas Stars fan, to the uh, yeah. to the New Jersey Devils. So we lost to the Devils the following year. If we could have just beaten the Devils and lost to the Sabres, I would have been perfectly okay with it. But losing to Martin Brodeur and the Devils in 2000 almost erased any good feelings that we had from the 99 Stanley Cup win. It was that painful. It really yeah. was.
0: No one likes the Devils, not even they're their the fans worst. at the time liked them. No, they're, know, they all, were they're the worst. But the Sabres had, I mean, again, philosophically, the worst uniform, uh, among the worst uniform. Their royal blue and gold, you know, really handsome get-ups. And then one day they decide, like, yeah, now, now we're uh, red,
3: silver, and black. What the hell? <laughs> Outrageous, right? Well, I mean, the Kings, in fairness, as someone that has at times, I, well, obviously, like, I support the team that pays my dad. But the last NHL team that paid my dad was the Dallas stars. So I remain a Dallas stars fan, uh, the Kings, they were. Purple and gold, and then they decided they wanted to be silver or gray and black. So, I mean, as someone that at one point rooted for a team that changed colors, I can't be that critical. Uh, So I'm just going to avoid throwing stones in glass houses it's
0: cool that bam and every messes with their uniforms once in a blue moon, they go with the white hat that cause that, but that's a callback to the days gone by. They haven't,
3: know? they haven't done it in like 30 years though. So it's, um, maybe longer. I think it's been since the eighties since they wore the white top.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of, was that, uh, Mike Shula who pulled those out? I it, can't m- it might've
3: been, it might've been him when he was the quarterback in like 85. So it's yeah. been a while. Um, okay, You'll, last You thing. can do a lot of things in Alabama. You cannot mess with the uniforms. Like they will I, not let you. You will have a revolt in Tuscaloosa. I'm a curmudgeon about it, but with I. The uniforms.
0: I yeah. Listen, I, I'm okay with almost every franchise. I think it's cool that the Yankees don't mess with it. Um, you know, if if you, you don't you like are, the Boston
3: Red Sox, like city uniforms that they wear, where they're like blue and yellow. I'm like, what, Who shame. is this?
0: It's it's a real shame. Yeah. It's a real, real shame when that happens. And the, the number one of all time, just now that we're on the subject of just changing colors is the Washington capitals. You understand they play in our nation's capital, right? The red, white, and blue, old glory, red, white, and blue uniform. Then one day they're turquoise, black, and gold. What in hell? I mean, you can't can't, do those.
3: You can't wear red, white, and blue though, when you're in the same division as the New York Rangers. So I actually, don't have any issues with it because the New York Rangers take priority over the Washington Capitals. In my my eyes, original 16, like you can't tell me that the Rangers aren't more important to the NHL than the Washington Capitals. I don't care what he's done and everything else
0: it's been great no listen all of uh, the hockey world uh, focuses in on their one stanley cup in, in in 82 years listen you've sent eddie spaghetti over the moon here he's a rangers diehard. he's a danny dimes diehard. so you're speaking his language at least there you like that talk spaghetti uh rags over caps all time
1: uh i've been enjoying this conversation uh <laughs> quite a lot so yeah very good I didn't-
0: Okay, let's wrap it up with this. Now you're married to, as I did a little bit of research, uh, I hope this isn't creepy to mention, but you're married to Meredith Grey. And so there's some weird naming stuff that could be confusing to people. It's not the fictional character, the doctor in Seattle. It's a different Meredith Grey altogether. But sometimes names can get confusing. And that brings me to, a game we haven't played in a little while, but you might be the perfect person to jump in here, a football guy, but a hockey enthusiast. You may have noticed the NHL is the most global of all our sports, and some of the names are exotic enough that you might confuse them with prescription drugs, and that's why we play (laughs) a game sometimes called NHL Player Prescription Drug. Would you like to play today?
3: Well, the only concern I have is, like, my knowledge of the modern-day hockey is not as good as it is from, like, the 90s, 2000s, and early 2010s. So, yeah, I feel like I'll kill all credibility by absolutely butchering some of these, but why not? Let's roll the dice. No, I mean, listen, you know, Uwe Krupp. That's better than
0: anybody I'm going to throw out there, but Uwe Krupp, pretty good name right there to start us off. Okay, here we go. All you have to I'm going to give you a name. You tell me if it's a prescription drug or if it's a hockey player. Here we go. Wigovi wagovi now i'll give you a little bit of a i'll I'll give you just like to color it in to to give you a little information wagovi is it a prescription drug for weight loss or the rugged defenseman of the dallas stars (laughs) wagovi rasmus wagovi rugged defenseman
3: i'm gonna say prescription drug
0: you're correct it's a way
2: it is way too you're way
3: too specific on the on the uh and if you go Dallas Stars, I do know the Dallas Stars roster, and I don't know of a Govey, so I felt, I felt Ooh, pretty good about that one. All right. All right. Here we <laughs> go now. Here we go. Vanacek.
0: Vanacek. Is that a prescription drug that treats depression or the number one goalie for the aforementioned New Jersey Devils? Uh,
3: that would be – Vanacek is a goalie, uh, and he is – I thought he was with the Capitals, but I guess that's – I maybe he's on a new team. I don't recall.
0: Vitek Vanacek. yes, he's playing the Spaghetti's Rags um later on there this week. So so there you go. All right, you're, you're played for the here. caps
3: at one point though.
0: Vanacek was
3: uh wore the uh he did the red, white, and blue. Greg's
1: right, 2021 he did play for the <laughs> Capitals.
3: I was gonna say, all right, so maybe I'm just I haven't quite caught up to this year's playoffs yet. Like I only watched playoffs hardcore. And I was like, hang on a second, I could have sworn he was he was not on the devils. That's what threw me off for a second. I'm not going to be able to watch the playoffs for the first
0: round, not because I'm intellectually making that decision. (laughs) I just know that my gut can't handle it with my penguins out for the first time in 17 years, same, same rule applies to all sports. Like when my team goes out in painful fashion, I have to take, you know, Fortnite or so away for me. And then I'll get get back into it.
3: I'm I'm fine with that. As a Dodger fan, I've refused to watch any baseball beyond when they get eliminated every year. So I understand where you're
0: at. Right, right. I mean, there's gotta be, you've gotta be a person of honor at some point. All right, here we go. Cabuneva, Cabuneva. Is it a prescription drug that treats HIV or is it Henrik Cabuneva, the young Bruins winger who scored 38 goals this season?
3: <laughs> I'm going to go prescription drug. You're very good at this game. You're very good at this game. You can't, you're too specific with your. I, I was like, hey, so if he scored 38 goals, I would know him. And I don't know that name. <laughs> Pulia Yarvi. Puglia Yarvi, is it a prescription
0: for plaque psoriasis or the sizable winger of the Carolina Hurricanes? Uh
3: I'm going to say Puglia Yarvi. I'm going to say uh I'm going to say hockey player. Yes, he Poul Yarvi dealt and- away from the Oilers. You're right. <laughs> I was going to well I was going to say I watched hang on a second I'm sitting there thinking I'm like they played the outdoor hockey game you said Carolina. I'm like, that. hang on, that name feels familiar. So only because <laughs> you said Carolina was able to connect the dots to the outdoor game that they played a few weeks back in Raleigh. So I was able to, that was a, that was kind of a, that was a prayer. I will, I will admit that was a bit of a prayer. You're doing very well. I'm
0: very happy for you.
3: Next I'm just one. glad I can miss the rest. And I feel like I've already done okay. I one or two
0: right. more, one or two more. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you take leave of this nonsense. Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord. Is that a prescription for restless leg syndrome or the checking line center of the Seattle Kraken?
3: Yanni Gord. I'm going to go restless leg syndrome.
0: Ah! We got him finally. He's a <laughs> hockey player. Won some cups with the with the lightning. Yeah, now trying to make a go of things up in Seattle with those Kraken. I have Last not watched
3: one. the Kraken, so I would never have gotten that one. I apologize to all the wonderful people of Seattle. Oh, as a uniform
0: enthusiast, you're missing out. Their, uni- their get-ups are, uh, if nothing else, worth the price of admission just to look <laughs> at them. Um. Last, well, you know what? I, I'm not gonna gild the lily. I I got you on one. That's enough. You went uh, four and one there. That's a winning Perfect. rate by
3: any standard. So so we'll let you go on that one. It's harder like, than you realize, though. If not for the if not for the hints, I would have struggled.
0: <laughs> Wait till we play NBA player tech stock. That's a that that's <laughs> another one. But the the that's for another day. We'll hold that one. Uh, appreciate all the insights on the upcoming draft. What you look for at a QB. All the rest of it. Dynamite stuff. Always college football. And when you stick to college football, it gives you some insights on who's going to be good at the next level. So make sure you're checking that out and, uh, and great times really appreciate you joining us today, man.
3: Thanks, Shaq. Appreciate you, bud.
0: There he goes. Greg McElroy dynamite appearance there, especially for Eddie spaghetti. And now a quick break. All right. There he goes. Spaghetti Greg McElroy, a lot of good stuff. Do you feel good now that he said nice things about dimes? Bad say, about Kenny Pickett.
1: Um, I I mean I think he just you know I don't think he said anything bad about Kenny Pickett. He just said that he does not think that he may win multi Super Bowls. I mean if you ask me, if you put a gun to my head, and says Will Daniel Jones win two Super Bowls? I'm probably also going to say no. Um, but I, I I'm kind of in the same mindset as you. Like every, if everything goes right, Daniel Jones could be a quarterback in a Super Bowl team. Um, and I I do. Appreciate what Greg said about how, you know, getting the contract, you're one less thing to worry about. And now he's finally staying in the same offense uh, because we all know the Giants coaching changes, the offensive coordinator changes. Now he has the mainstay in day ball uh, and they kept Mike Kafka too, which is awesome. So I think things are looking up for Daniel Jones. So I do agree with that.
0: Man, uh, bottom line is I enjoy that McElroy. I don't agree with him about everything he said, especially about number eight there in the black and gold. But because uh, I real, I, I I do sincerely. I know I'm biased on the on the subject. I mean, I, I'm gonna keep saying it. I don't know how many times I'm gonna say it before kickoff of of the season. Steelers over eight and a half is the play of the year. I don't I I don't know what cynicism would be required to talk yourself into that team lose losing. Um, more games than they lost a year ago. Um, But man, I I really enjoy yapping with him, but he's a hockey guy. He knows his uniforms. He's uh, what I like spaghetti. He's blunt, man. What do you think about him? I don't know. Don't like him. Not great. I could have told you that about Josh Rosen. Didn't like him. I like Uh, his eyeball
1: I I love that. And he, uh, you know, the same thing I said last week uh, to you and Hench about, you know, the Anthony Richardson, where you look at his, His uh, statistical season, six games with either one or zero touchdown passes, like going from the the opener versus Utah in that win to then losing to Kentucky to losing to Will Levis in Kentucky, it just – I don't know how if you're an NFL franchise, like you said, a multi-billion-dollar NFL franchise, if you're going to give the keys to the, you know, the kingdom to this guy who was like, you know, Florida wasn't great, but Florida's not bereft of talent, and for him to be so shaky, so unpredictable, uh, and he's being flirted with going number one overall, it's like I, you know, again, I, I don't, I'm not some, some scout, but I do watch a lot of college football, and I watch a lot of Anthony Richardson, I just don't see it, and Greg happens to agree, so uh, I, I'm with him on that.
0: I, I mean, I, I obviously hear the criticisms of him. I saw those games too, but I, I just the, the philosophy of like, well, what are we doing here? It's the first overall pick. We should get the most talented guy versus that ultimately impossible to assess. Or unless you're Greg McElroy looking into his eyes, like, how are we going to assess what the kid's made of? Uh, you know, so if, if we understand that we can't ultimately figure that out, then let's just go on the physical gifts. And that then takes me back to Anthony Richardson. And also like, I, like I have said ad nauseum too, about Kyler Murray and, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury, like, okay, so if it doesn't work out, you move on. Uh, that's it. You know, it's not the end of the world. If you blow the pick, you know, a lot of teams have done that and it's, and it doesn't scuttle the franchise's prospects for the next, next half decade. So um, anyway, fascinating stuff for McElroy. We appreciate the time from him. And uh, by the way, congratulations to our pal, Megan Connolly, completing yet another marathon, the Boston Marathon. This time, 26.2. She did it under the time that uh, Harry from Against All Odds predicted she would. He's going to get punished. Um, I better I better keep that quiet for now, What, uh, how he's going to get punished. But in the meantime, we'll say congrats to her. And make sure you're checking out Megan Fun of Sports and Against All Odds. And covered in glory and lemon pepper parlay and extra points, which will be back on Tuesday with Sal and Martin Weiss and me. And then we'll be back with Hench on minus three later in the week. And until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Greg McElroy, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.